How's it going, everybody? And thank you for tuning in to the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Berenstein, and on today's show, we have got eccentric, controversial poet Charles Bukowski and uh, scary, spooky film star Boris Karloff. If you want to check out the uh, performers behind these incredible, incredible characters, uh, Charles Bukowski runs both the Bad Theater Festival and Bad Film Festival here in New York. You give those a Google. And if you want to check out Boris Karlov, go to his website, louisperlman.com, for all the information on his upcoming bubblegum rock 60s jukebox musical, Joey and Ron. It is fully funded, and it's going to be staged at an off-Broadway theater in the near future. You don't want to miss that. That's going to be hilarious and awesome. Uh, you can check out all my stuff at jaredberenstein.com. Latest updates on upcoming projects and videos are coming out every Tuesday on YouTube and on my Instagram and on my Facebook fan page. Rate and review the podcast. Tell your friends. Email us at famousdeadpeopleatreadyforbrooklyn.org. And, of course, if you want to listen to the freshest episodes, you got to go to Ready for Brooklyn every Monday at 3 p.m. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Boris Karloff and Charles Bukowski only on Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. It's time. Famous Dead People. Time to start the show. Famous Dead People. People you know. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. Famous stories stuck in the head. It's gonna hear awful for me even though all these people are dead. My guests today on Famous Dead People are early 20th century English actor known for his roles in iconic horror films like Frankenstein's monster William Henry Pratt, a.k.a. Boris Karloff. Hello. And controversial German-American poet, novelist, and short story writer, the so-called poet laureate of the American lowlife, Charles Bukowski. I have a hard out in 15 minutes. <laughs> I don't think you're going to make it, Mr. Oh. Bukowski. <laughs> uh, Mr. Bukowski, Mr. Karloff, thank you so much for being with us here today on Famous Dead People. Yeah. I'm very happy to be here uh, with all let's of you. start off with you, Mr. Karloff. Oh, yes. Thank God. <laughs> so you had an incredible career yes. in film. Mm-hmm. Even outside of the horror genre, you were cast as Frankenstein in 1930, but at that point you had Frankenstein's acted. monster. That's Please. Right. Frankenstein is the man. I was the monster. That's right. I meant to write that you were in Frankenstein, not that you were as Frankenstein. Yes, how uh, dare you. So you were Frankenstein's monster in 1930, but at that point you had already acted in 80 movies. Yes. Starting in 1919. That's 80 films in 11 years. Yes, I was a pioneer of that, the early film world. It feels like such a frenetic pace to make films. Did it feel crazy to be making films... At such a prolific rate well, back then? Well, you see, then, back then, that because was normal. there was no sound, mm. because there was, you know, no expectations from the audience. It was a new medium. We'd make seven films a day. Seven films a yes. day. Yes. Did it ever get weird? Like, you know, oh, I'm a detective in the afternoon, and then at night I'm, a, uh, I'm an alien, and then, you know, tomorrow I'm going to be a, I don't know, What's another role? What's another thing a person can do? A cad. <laughs> a cad. I'm a lover boy. Yes. You know, did it ever, I don't know, did it ever feel strange to be to be so many different things, to be so many different people? Uh, well, you know, in the span I, of a day, for those a roles, I had to wear many different hats. Mm. And by that, I mean, I literally took 
hats on and off. That was which probably helped me realize, you know, who I was. A and what good I was way doing. to anchor your characters. Yes. If I'm in this fedora, oh, I'm wearing my alien hat. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I'm wearing my detective hat. Easy. Oh, I'm to wearing keep my them cad hat. So you were doing every kind of movie back then. You yes. did theater, of course. Before of course, that, yes. was there any point in your career leading up to horror films? where you felt like horror might be your wheelhouse. Like you're not really doing horror, or maybe you did have a couple early in your career, but you really hadn't caught on yet. But were there ports, points where you were like, oh my God, I feel like I'm being, I'm moving towards horror. I well, feel like that's my thing. you see, I was cast mostly early in my career, as, as you said, as the cad, as the lover boy. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, mm. I would show up at the doors of young ladies in films with chocolates and flowers, but when the door would open off script, the ladies would run screaming from me. <laughs> so the, what they were supposed to be doing was being uh, giving me a swooning kiss on the cheek and you fainting kiss. because I'm so beautiful. So sexual. Yes, there. so sexual. They thought I was going to be the next Rudolph Valentino, but instead... The women ran with fear from my gruesome facade. I see. And so at this point, you're thinking, you know, this might be a thing I'd be good at mm -hmm. later on. Like if we if we maybe monopolize it. Did you ever talk to your, I don't know if you had agents and managers back then. Did you ever talk to your yes, people? I, I was working at the time with Bernie Brillstein. Oh, you were with Brillstein? Yes. Okay, fun. Yes, yes. And Bernie, I said to Bernie, you know... They're just running away from me at every turn. And he said, why don't you go into horror? That's and what he said? That's what. That's how he sounded. That was my Bernie impression. Oh, okay, yes. gotcha. And then, he, and then you were like, hmm, okay. Yeah. Then I took a long look at myself in a lake <laughs> and said, yes, I shall put on the monster hat. And then that's all she wrote. Well, then the rest of my career happened, followed, of course, etc., etc. That is where the beautiful story begins. As we exactly, say. that's Karloff begins. Okay, let's go over to uh, Charles Bukowski for just a moment. Yes. Uh, so, Time Magazine is the one that called you the poet laureate of the American lowlife. Uh, and you as well. What's up? No, you just, said that earlier. I'm just reading yeah. what they said. Oh, okay. I'm just quoting them. I see. Yeah, I mean, I think it's apt, though. Wouldn't you say it's apt? I'll like take you, it, yeah. Your, your content was relatively unique to poetry. You wrote pretty col colloquially about what some might call smut. Yes. You know, booze and sex and yes. living in poverty. Drinking and, and fornicating and having, being broke. Having sex with prostitutes, etc. Right. The dangerous life. Yeah. yeah. And so I got the feeling from reading your work, because I read a lot of you when I was in high school and college. Oh, uh, Sorry, <laughs> must have been rough. No, no. It was, oh. I mean, it was. It's a fun read, and it's so different from every other kind of poetry. Um, but it really seems like you enjoyed living that lifestyle. That you weren't like putting this on for your craft. Like this was who you are. Uh, that you were comfortable in the underbelly of society. Do you think that's a fair thing to say? Like this was this was where you wanted to be, right? Well, we've all done dirty things, but to be honest, most of my angry writing came from the fact I was born with carpal tunnel syndrome and it hurts my hands to type. And I so was angry at the typewriter <laughs> and I was taking my angry out, anger out 
on the characters and the the, the the plot and and the dirt and the filth and the smut. It was literally hurting your hands to be a writer. Yes. And yet you had this message inside you. You had this art inside you that needed to come out. That's, I suppose so, yes. And so you worked your way through the pain, and then the pain, I guess— is what it was my own fault <laughs> I, I i knew i had this affliction I, I don't know why i chose to do something that hurt me more but mm-hmm. i guess that's poetry in and of itself yeah, I, suppose. I guess so yes. i mean it is yeah it is kind of beautiful uh in in a very poetic way sometimes um, it's the things that hurt us most that we love the most mm, i see so i mean that pain that, is a monster mm. that definitely explains the tone of a lot of your work if not the content so like did you love to hear me type it was a lot of clack clacking and ow why <laughs> no and oh, oh. All right, and that's when I I stumbled on a great idea. This when you the O's were and gotta keep going. That makes a lot of was sense. Was it an ooh or was it an ooh followed by "Gosh, my hands hurt"? <laughs> it's like you were there. Yes, <laughs> but about what? What about like actually living the life? Like, did you love you know living in squalor? Did you love uh, associating with the underclass? I, I I think we just all did what we did wherever we were. I don't know. I I don't put much sort of like thought into it mm, okay. if i was born you boris yes i would have me i would have i would have been around the stuff you were around <laughs> That's true. True. i was born me being an actor and That's i was true. yeah and i Charles, was just if i had born been born you yes then i would have been the one afflicted with carpal tunnel that's, yes that's right <laughs> yes this i just found very... myself where i was that's pretty much i didn't really seek out stuff this i was is... just around prostitutes and booze yes yeah but i mean you know they i mean the the law of attraction says that we sort of unconsciously attract certain things into our life you i know? suppose i'm do you think I that if you, so. i'm drinking right now yes you are yeah, yeah um, an, an incredible lush and incredible but it's alcoholic. a soylent hmm? i'm sorry I mean, what? i'm drinking soylent <laughs> you're drinking one of those meal replacement shakes that's right gotcha gotcha i'm also drinking right now oh what are you having uh, uh boris karloff lake water mm, interesting Ooh, that i can look at myself through I see. if there's enough of it uh what if you had been born wealthy would you think you'd be comfortable being a wealthy person charles bukowski i i think so i think i think if we look at the sort of income inequality that's afflicting the, <laughs> the world right now uh, most people uh, are just sort of uh they, they don't know if they're privileged they don't know that they're privileged unless mm. it's pointed out to them you know what i mean so yeah i suppose so basically what he's saying is that's a stupid question, Jared. You know, <laughs> oh my goodness! It's what basically, if you have money, I guess what I'm saying you know, is probably you're going to enjoy having that's the money. Right. I've met very few rich people who are like, the, the, well, this sucks. Yeah, who are like, get, get ask me, you, give away all my money yes. if you would enjoy it. It seems to be from reading your but work. I, I, but I, I, I've heard Buddha did that. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, he gave away. I've heard Buddha was born wealthy, and he, he, he. he Turned away from it. He and look yes. how it worked out for him. <laughs> yes, we're, we're talking about him now. Yes, yes but he's dead. Religion. He's yes. dead. Yes. Uh, had him on the program. Incredible episode. You're highly, kidding. Highly, highly recommend people check it out. I got to listen to that Did one. he say he loved giving away his money? Uh, he said it was important to him. Oh, you know? well. 
He did say that his listeners um, check out the back catalog. Yes, check out the back catalog. It's all, there's, there's a plethora of episodes. Use your podcatchers. Over 135. Yes. Wow! Turn off this. Go, <laughs> yes. go back a few weeks or months, yes. and then come back. I go back a few years. I guess what I'm saying is, if I it, reading your work, it seems like if you had suddenly won the lottery, you would still be living in a bad apartment. You would still be hanging out at dive bars. Maybe you would still be driving. Probably, probably. You know, it's what I knew. A I might pickup. have a book called Lottery. I, I can't. I can't remember. But <laughs> yes, probably. Okay, I, that's I all some, I'm getting at. That's all I, I'm getting I had at. some fame. Uh, you know, in some success when I was younger, a little bit modest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck it. You know, I was still <laughs> a shitty me. Yeah, yeah. you're still living in the living in the bowels. Yes. Mm. I could have gotten a word processor that the keys were a little easier to the touch, but no, I had an old rusty typewriter. A rusty typewriter. Yes. Harder to push the keys even than a regular typewriter. Of course, yes. Gotcha. Uh, let's go back over to Boris Karloff for just a moment. So, oh, me. You were born in London in yes. 1887. You attended King's College in London That's where you took classes. Correct. Aimed at a career in government. Yes. And uh, your brothers would all go into government. Very very vague, if I, if I may interject. Uh, well, I mean, you know, the same way that you would take classes in medicine, right? If you're going to go into medicine, you, there's a lot of different specialties. Point taken. Yes. You know? <laughs> so... Um, but what I found interesting from Wikipedia, you left abruptly. You left yes. college abruptly in 1909 when you were 22 years old without graduating. Mm-hmm. You go to Canada. Yes. What was the trigger? And you start, <laughs> well, we're getting there. Oh, okay. You start working as a farm laborer. Mm-hmm. Why did you do this? There's no, there's nothing in Wikipedia about why you left, you know, was there a specific reason? Did you not, did you just feel suddenly like you didn't want to settle into a normal life of working in government like your brothers what, what was the what was the inciting moment inciting. this as a writer uh, as a writer interests me <laughs> hey man i'm sure it interests a lot of people yeah. i just wanted to have a semester backpacking abroad through canada yes interesting but then, do you know what ended up happening what ended up happening i got stuck i got stuck in nanaimo british columbia Tilling the fields. I'm sorry, in where? Nanaimo, British Columbia. Nanaimo? Yes, in Western Canada. I see. So, and then you're like, oh my God, I forgot to save enough money for my return ticket. That's correct. Oh, Boris And there I was, picking leaves off of the trees. Their main export was leaves. (laughs) Oh, thankless job. They were just sending leaves places? Leaves. Hither and thither. And okay. I fell in love. I got another package. What is it? It's more leaves it's from Canada. Leaves why do they keep sending these? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Why would I keep picking yeah. these? I why thought you were going to say, leaves? leaves from Canada, we're going to be millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how money works. Really. Well, I don't know. I don't know what yeah. the exchange rate is. On Never invested. On a Canadian leaf. On a Canadian leaf, yeah. One Canadian leaf is worth about four American leaves. Uh, ooh, okay. Mm, yes. Not bad. That's good. I fell in with a milkmaid ooh. in Nanaimo. I see. So you you yes. were involved with her. You didn't have enough money to go back, and then suddenly there are things in Canada that make you want to stay. Absolutely. Wow. And so, uh, so you then start acting mm-hmm. in Canada. As the CAD. As the CAD. Because in Canada, you see... I was the most good-looking man. You were the most handsome man in all of Canada. Handsome man in all of Canada. Interesting. Because as we know, yes, I was tall. (laughs) I was tall and strapping. 
Okay. Well, yes, what? and fresh-faced, because as we know, all of the Canadians look like their faces have been through a machine. <laughs> every Yikes. Canadian Every face. Canadian is a Picasso painting gone wrong. Some ooh. sort of like, when you need, I think you need to specify because a person could hear that and say, you know, ooh, someone, someone put his face through the handsome machine. No. Or someone put his face through the rugged machine. No. You're saying they put him through like a thrasher or yes. something like that. Yes, the leafing machine. The leafing machine. Yes. Gotcha. And so you're... You 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 show up in Canada. You're gorgeous. I'm stunning. Everyone, people are stopping you on the street. They're like, "Wow, what a what a man!" Yes, and what a journey your face is going to take from being so so accessible and wanted in Canada to being so scary that even when you're playing handsome men in America later, women are just fainting and running away screaming. Ah, yes, Jared. How awful you look. The story of Boris Karloff is the story of. My face. Ooh, we, we're, we're definitely getting into it. Mm -hmm. We will. Face! Uh, but before we get to that, so if you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are German-American poet and novelist Charles Bukowski. Still here. <laughs> and uh, uh, early 20th century horror actor Boris Karloff. Do you sleep at night in your bed? I do, yes. I think most do. Most people, right? Good. I think so. Good. Yeah. Just checking. I Just mean, sometimes Charles Bukowski. You, I fall asleep at the couch. Couple of, couple of, yeah, one too many. Yes. Maybe, maybe you end up in the bathroom floor. Sometimes I stay up at night watching old reruns of BattleBots, <laughs> nursing a, a bottle of whiskey. Ah, uh, yes, the BattleBots. I have certainly partaken in that program yes. as well. That's it's one of my joy. favorite. Charles Bukowski poems is staying up late drinking, watching BattleBots. Oh, <laughs> well. It's always nice to meet a fan. Yeah, if if you're so inspired to to give us a few lines, that's your prerogative. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna force you, of course. Uh, yeah. uh, stay tuned. <laughs> okay, so uh, Boris Karloff. Yeah. So you're in Canada. Everyone's like you're the most handsome man in the world. We know that in 1911 you are a member of the Gene Russell Theater Company yes. in Canada. Yes. But there's really nothing in the Wikipedia about how you got into acting specifically. If there was anything. That you, if this was something you thought about earlier, or if this was just something you kind of fell into, like how was it that you came to decide that this was going to be something you were going to do? Well, I had to split with the milkmaid. Oh, she was overly possessive, mm. and she didn't see me for being the real me. She, she had only idea liked of you. me for my looks. Oh yeah, she had an idea of me Rough. in her head. Been yes. there. Yes, haven't we all? Mm -mm. So three handsome men all being used for our faces and bodies. That's right. In this room. That's right. Hell ah. yeah. <laughs> Irony. So I get the joke. I had to yes, I'm going to ignore it because I, you know, I do strike a grim visage now, but mm -hmm. you must remember this was Western Canada in the turn of the of century. Of course, of course. Where I was the handsomest man. So I had to lie to get out of the relationship. Ooh, what'd you say? I told her that I was only interested in men. <gasps> yes. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. You lied to this woman. You told yes, her that you I were gay. I told her that I was a homosexual. I see. And mm -hmm. what was her reaction then? Well, she 
This Pol- is the early 1900s. Of she course. politely understood. <laughs> wow, yes. progressive of her. Yeah. It's because I did such a good job with the story, and then I was like, I should do this on the stage. And it was so impressive. Be adored. The way that you, because I remember reading I about that. Changed her mind. I remember reading about that woman on Wikipedia and how she was a famous homophobe in Canada. Mm, now everybody I in Canada her. talked about how. Yes. Uh, and this is where you. I'm assuming you got the idea of how to break up with her. Was yes. like, oh. Her nickname was the gay-hating maid. <laughs> not a very creative nickname. Well, they're not very creative in Canada. A little on the nose. So you think, all right, I'm just going to be the thing that she hates, which also very horror thing. Yes. You know, I'm going to become the thing that she hates. Yes, but also a misunderstood like, monster yes. like as Batman. well. Like, <laughs> like, like Batman. Like Batman, yes. yes. I don't think he hated bats. I think he was just scared of bats, right? I I don't know. Become, has he been on? <laughs> Batman has not been on. Look through, still look through the back catalog. Still alive. No, fortunately yes. for mm. all of us. Yes. the creator of Batman has been on your. Yes, program. Bob Kane has been oh. on the show. Yes, uh, great interview. Yeah. Highly recommended. I love I love interviews where we talk about past interviews. Yes. So <laughs> I hope I'm hoping that we bring up more people that have been. The on The tables show. have turned, Jared Bernstein. <laughs> yes. We're going to bring up every single other person yes. that you. Let's talk about your drinking problem. Yes, Jared. <laughs> I have definitely uh, woken up a couple of nights with BattleBots on. Yes. Let's talk about Kevin when and you lied about being gay to get out of a relationship. No, Jared. that was uh, I was ah I, summer I, camp. I, yes, <laughs> uh, summer camp. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then you think I'm, I did such a good job of breaking up with this girl, lying to her that I should do this professionally. I that, should that makes just lie, lie on stage to everyone. That makes perfect sense. Let's go back over to uh, Charles Bukowski for just a moment. So uh, you were born in Germany in Make 19. Make it quick. You were born in Germany in 1920. Yes. Uh, but your family moved to Los Angeles when you were very young, like four years old. I think. It's very true. And uh, I had to carry my own bags, though. Wait, they they didn't carry your bags for you? No. How come? The Germans are rough people. I see, and my parents particularly so. Mm, and they thought we we're gonna we we're gonna give this kid a good work ethic by making him carry his own luggage. Yes, well, we came by ship, and I had to carry. I had to drag my own trunk everywhere, mm. and also sleep in it. <laughs> it was very rough. I see. If I remember, uh, your I think this is in the Wikipedia where you said to your father. Uh, would you carry this heavy trunk for you? And your father said, but it, it would be more efficient if we each carried our own luggage and then we will get where we're going faster. Don't you think so? Yes. Wow, that was very good. Accurate. <laughs> Thank you. I do, I do a lot of research for these. Yeah. Uh, for these episodes. Um, uh, difficult childhood, though, growing up. Yes, Living very. in poverty. And uh, you suffered from an extreme case. I was the only kid in my block that didn't have polio, and I was made fun of it before it. <laughs> Everybody else had polio. Yes. I was the only kid who could play stickball. And, so and just, I was mocked. You play stickball by yourself? That's right. Oh, wow. Oh. That is that is difficult. Hitting the ball and then chasing it. And A everybody. Yes. Everybody had those, like, those uh, crutches that the kids had when they had polio. That's right. And I, I would every Christmas, Mommy, please, may I have polio crutches? <laughs> She would say, go outside and play stickball. Mm. And uh, they're all... And she'd throw a beer bottle. They're all making fun of you, walking with your own legs. Yes. And, yes. and uh, man, that must have been difficult. That must have been really hard for you. Well, we all have it rough. We yeah. all we all have our yes. uh, luggage to carry, yes. as they say. Oh, yes. Um, but yes. I did also read that you had an extreme case of acne uh, that was also... Um, 
you know, alienating when yes. you were growing up. Very severe. And I remember reading in, in, in one of your books that they kept on trying these different experimental procedures to try to cure you of your acne. Do you remember any of these? I had acne everywhere where I was not wearing clothes. It was very weird. <laughs> so I, if you took off my shirt and my pants, you would just see perfect gleaming skin. Mm-hmm. But then on, on my arms and face... Uh, and hands, I had acne. How yes. quickly would the acne grow? Like, if you took off your clothes to take a shower, when you got out, would you be covered in acne all over your body? It was all, it was just the acne knew where to grow where people saw. Oh, I see. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. It wasn't like about being exposed to air or something. No, no, no. Wow, yeah. So how did they, what what, what sort of methods treat, did they try treat, to use? Treatments? It was shock therapy. Shock therapy. Yes. Interesting. I had a, 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 a an, ex, an experimental sort of homeopathic German, very harsh doctor that uh, lived in our, our, our German neighborhood of, uh, of, of California. He was not licensed. <laughs> it was actually just a, pl- a frayed lamp uh, wire and that he would, would plug in and I would just hold in my mouth. And you put it in your mouth? Yes. Oh, wow. That's get shocked. extremely dangerous. Yes, yes. That but, was the way that the Frankenstein monster died in 1937's Frankenstein's Day Out. Oh. Wait, by putting a lamp, a frayed lamp wire in his mouth? Yes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't remember reading about that one, Frankenstein's Day Out. This was a universal horror classic. But an anticlimactic way to go. Absolutely. <laughs> well, also kind of poetic because electricity is how he was brought into this, this world. This is yes. correct, but it was the lamp wattage was too much for mm. poor old Frankenstein's monster. So Frankenstein's monsters, was it, wait, was it Frankenstein Monster's Day Out or Frankenstein's Day Out? Well, the film was called Frankenstein's Day Out, mm-hmm. but it was about me. Yes. The Frankenstein monster. Somebody came over to babysit the Frankenstein monster. Yes. And then the Frankenstein monster sort of walking around outside. And you're, the ba- th- you're thinking of Baby's Day Out. This had nothing, this, this has Wait, nothing to do with... Baby's Day Out was a remake yeah. of Frankenstein's <laughs> Day Out. Yeah. But it was they, a remake. Did they have the same plot, basically? Yes. My yes. babysitter comes over and then <laughs> I oh, there is a get loose from the babysitter <laughs> ah. and go on a fun day for myself through village. What were some of the antics that, that uh, Frankenstein's monster got into? Oh, you know, during... typical Frankenstein's monster antics. Trying to pull a small chalky from a from a glass jar, but my hands are too big. And a chalky? The... Like a candy? It's like a little candy. <laughs> and then the, the jar explodes in my giant monster hands. And, no. and, the, and you go like... Yeah. I yes. See. Okay. Or you know, you know, trying to bet the horses, but instead smashing the entire desk of the tellers who are taking the bets at the racetrack. Wait, so Frank, one of the things Frankenstein was doing on his day out was placing bets at the racetrack? Yes, he was, I was, the Frankenstein monster was trying to win on the ponies. I see. Yes, and then last but not least, of course, gazing at oneself in a lake. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Coming across a young girl picking flowers by the water, mm-hmm. but then the flowers are all gone. Oh no! Oh. What to be thrown in the water? The girl. The girl <laughs> is thrown in the water. Yes. I stole that moment from you, and I apologize. It's quite all right. It's quite all right. That happened in every so single one of my films. Ah. Every single one. What is to be thrown in the water next? The girl. Mm. And then you find a freed. Lamp wire. Yes, and that was put it in your mouth. End, that was in the lamp store sequence. 
<laughs> I wanted to, to come back. The character Frankenstein monster. He wanted to come back with a lamp to show his babysitter. Mm, the babysitter, I'm sure, got into a lot of trouble because. Frankenstein's monster was not rescued or brought back to the house. He just she died. Was chased, she was chasing after him the whole time, mm. yelling, Frankenstein's monster! <laughs> but then, <laughs> then I am electrocuted and die in the lamp store. Mm. And then she carries my body back to mummy and daddy Frankenstein. Wow. Mm-hmm. Dark. Yes. Ye dark for a Frankenstein movie. Even. Award worthy. Yes. yes. That uh, one did win an award. Ooh, which yes. what award did it win? The it, Lampies. <laughs> I wish I was oh. nominated many times for a oh. Lampy, but I never won. It won oh. the Fangoria 1968 retroactive, mm. you know, horror award. That's yes. a that's a very prestigious award there. It's it is for horror fans. We have got to take a quick break. We got to take a, uh, a break very shortly. Um, God, you know, Zit what cream are we, break ooh. right? Charles, <laughs> you that, know it. Yeah, before we dig, I'll join you. Before I'm an, we no, go, I'm an ogre. My skin is not perfect. Before yeah. we go, so like the electricity did not work to help cure your no, acne, right? No. And uh, it ended. I, up- it's a lifelong affliction. If yes. I can share the. The, the worst cry I'd ever had at the movies mm-hmm. is during the trailer for Shrek. <laughs> I've never seen Shrek. I figured it would hurt me too much. But the trailer alone, I identified with that monster on screen. Because of just how you felt like you looked like an ogre also. Correct. That was the worst cry I ever had. Really? The trailer as well. The trailer for Shrek? Yes, because I wow. looked at that green ogre and said, why was that not me? Oh. <laughs> Karloff you know, is Shrek ooh, in I, Shrek. I also cried during the Shrek trailer. Really? But just because I really hate that. Uh, I think it's a, the Smash Mouth song. You hate oh. that? That's the best song. Somebody once yeah. told me the world was going to roll And me. that's in the beginning of the movie wow. and also the trailer. Three, and three cries, all for different reasons. <laughs> I just cry my eyes out every time I hear that song because I just hate it so oh, much. Jared, wow. that is the best of songs. <laughs> How dare you? That is the song I listen to as I gaze at my facade and lake. Really? It yes. just plays in your head, Boris Karloff? I bring my my speakers and play it along <laughs> with me. See, so you saw Back it. in the day, I brought my Victrola Ooh. and play the Smash Mouth song. Mm. Hand cranked. Hand cranked. Yes. And um, maybe slow it up or sped down. It's a little bit better. But we do have to take a short break, yes. unfortunately. We will be right back with Boris Karloff and Charles Bukowski on Famous Dead People. Stay with us. Perfect time. Nailed it. Hey, everybody. Just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts. Rate us five stars. Leave a comment. Tell your friends. All that stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show or if you have any comments that you want to shoot over to us. Whatever we love hearing from fans. Uh, Also, check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I hope that you will check that out and read that and uh, leave reviews, awesome reviews on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or whatever and tell your friends to read it because it's super funny and I want that money. Also, go check out JarrettBarrenson.com for all the latest on my show dates and uh, up-to-date project information. And lastly, if you really like Famous Dead People and you want to send us some money to help keep the show on the air, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support the Show button. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Thank you.
Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jarrett Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Yes. My guests in the studio today are controversial German-American poet, novelist, and short story writer, the so-called poet laureate of the American lowlife, Charles Bukowski. Lit AF. And early 20th century English actor known for his role in iconic horror films like playing Frankenstein's monster in the movie Frankenstein, William Henry Pratt, a.k.a. Boris Karloff. L-O-L. So let's go back over to Charles Bukowski for just a moment. Yes, bring it. So... Uh, You dropped out of college at the start of World War II. Yes. uh, Which I assumed was to fight in the war, but instead you just moved to New York to become a writer. Is yes. that right? I meant actually to move to Canada to work on a farm, but I took the wrong bus. Oh, that's a shame. Yes. That is uh, a shame. It's a shame you would have fell, fallen in with a middle class. That's grade. right. Mm-hmm. Yes, a I, homophobic I, I, moment. Homophobic. Yes. They still exist in Canada. <laughs> yeah. They still it, exist everywhere, everywhere unfortunately. Yes. yes. Uh, so a few years after moving to New York to become a writer, you get arrested by the FBI on suspicion of draft evasion. Right. So here's my question. Did you dodge the draft? Were you actively avoiding fighting in the war? Or was there another reason why you never uh, reported for duty? No, I, I went to a list, and uh, the f- I walked into the recruitment office. And the first thing they said to me was, Ah! Because of all of my acne. Oh, you still had all this acne. Of course, yes. 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 And um, they were like, we can't have such a horrific beast of a man fight fight for our side. Oh, my God. They, they, you look like the enemy. And I was German. That's right. That's right. They, they had a lot of questions for German-Americans That's back right. then. So my, my enlistment form was stamped with that stamp that says acne. <laughs> chronic acne. I didn't and, but know. they lost my paperwork. Oh, and so the FBI didn't know that you had the chronic That's acne. right. So the FBI took one look at me and said, ah, get out of our office. I see. So they went to arrest you. They saw you. They got scared and they left. That's right. Now, I did read Very that. Very anticlimactic. They, I did read that you were thrown in jail for a couple of days for this. Is oh, that yes. right? Or was that unrelated to the, the draft dodging thing? Uh, I No, that was a, it was all a misunderstanding. I left. Because mm-hmm. they said, get out of here. That's right. Yeah. And I was, I felt dejected. Mm-hmm. And as I was walking towards the elevator, my foot got lodged into a mop bucket. <laughs> and I, I, I try and in sh- trying to shake the mop bucket off my foot, I fell down some stairs, and I just caused a ruckus. So I, I was, I was arrested for, for for making a, a loud noise. <laughs> or if, I mean, you and, could get arrested for anything back yeah, then. Yeah, yes. And, 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 try, and mimicking a, a, a pratfall that would have been a hit in a film, but in real life, it was seen as a nuisance. Did you know that pratfall was named after me? After, after, after you? Yes. Of course, your real name is William Henry Pratt. That's oh, right. Wow. And, uh, and so the pratfall came from you, Boris Karloff? That's correct. Ah. Oh, I did not see this anywhere on the Wikipedia. Yeah. Yes, it's from a film called Frankenstein Falls Down. Okay. Ooh. Yes. Let's walk, walk walk us through this movie, Frankenstein Falls Down. Well, it's pretty simple. The Frankenstein monster falls down in many different scenarios. Ooh, okay. So, um, leaving his house. Yes. Um... Uh, carrying a bunch of paint buckets. Oh, Ooh. unfortunately, yes. That was a very difficult scene to shoot. Uh, maybe, maybe carrying a a, 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 a mirror. <laughs> yes. And Across my favorite yes. at the end, 
Frankenstein in ballroom dancing classes with his bride-to-be the bride of Frankenstein. Well, he fell. Oh, I, I also I remember that you were wearing roller skates in that scene as well. Uh-huh. So it's not just that you fell. It's just every time you tried to get back up. You you slipped because of the roller skates. I am a hardworking actor. A mm-hmm. classic Pratt fall. Yes. Wow. So that's where Pratt fall comes from. Yes. Is from the movie Frankenstein Falls Down, where you fell down a lot. Frankenstein falls down. Interesting. After that film, I put it in my contract that I would never fall down in a film again. Maybe that's where, because I know you had chronic back problems. Yes, I did. Maybe that's where it came from. They say it was from all the hard labor that you did while you were a struggling actor. Yes. But maybe it came from all these pratfalls that you did. It just came from me being too tall. From being too tall? Just being too tall. And not the falls. Mainly being tall. Well, I mean, if you're tall and you do a pratfall... Then it's farther. Are you just trying to <laughs> rhyme, Jarrett? <laughs> no, what I'm saying is that if you're a tall person and you do a pratfall, fall, then you have farther to go. And so there's a higher chance that you'll hurt yourself. So in a, in a sense, it was your height. that was And you might issue. have to call the ambulance. <laughs> yes. And they'll try to fix your there's back with a therapeutic There's a reason why Bukowski call. is the poet laureate of the, of of the, of the filthy yes. masses. And you are not, Jared. That's right. He's crushing these rhyme schemes. Yes. Uh, now, so you go to jail. Ball. Yes. That's another one. Oh, Ball. yeah. Um, uh, better call Saul. It <laughs> wasn't great. Check your cable listings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so you you go to jail for doing this pratfall, yes. unfortunately, Charles Bukowski. Uh, and then they they examine you, they give you a psychological examination, and they classify you as unfit for military service because you fail your psyche valve. That's right. Now, here's my question. Did you try to answer in a way where you would get a failed psyche valve or were you just answering the question sincerely and they were like, oh, this guy's crazy and he can't be in the army? I, I don't remember. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I, I thought I didn't even know it was an, an evaluation. I thought that was my lawyer. <laughs> Oof. So this guy rough. came in and was like, so tell me about your childhood. And right. Yes. He was asking I you, thought, ah, we're really going back to, to establish some sort of defense. And he's giving you like a bunch of hypotheticals and showing you right. ink plots and yes, things like that. That's right. Yes. And you really this lawyer that- really loves Rorschach tests <laughs> and word associations. I see. Wow. Wow. And so, yeah, I guess you I answer- thought he was showing me his watch, but mm-hmm. he was hypnotizing me. Interesting. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's so it sounds like you were really sincerely trying to trying to answer these questions and they just thought that you were too I thought we were just hanging out. Psychologically yes. unfit for service. Yes. Uh, let's go back over to Boris Conlon for just a moment. If so, you must. Uh, the Wikipedia says that you uh, first gained recognition uh, the same year that Frankenstein came out in a movie called The Criminal Code. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a prison drama. Yes. Uh, both films came out in 1931. It's so interesting, I think, that yes. you had this one film that people are like, okay, this guy's an incredible actor. And then the, the, another film comes out the exact same year that, like, they're like, no, forget that. He's a horror guy. He's a monster guy. Yes. That it was just such an incredible uh, uh, role that it blew even the other incredible role out of the way. Thank you. So tell yes, me about but Thank I, you. But I want to know about the criminal code. Like, what was it? Like, what was the story? What was your part? And uh, and what was it that so gripped people that people people started taking you seriously as an actor from that movie? I played a young man who was incarcerated mm. named Lampy. <laughs> Lampy, yes. a man in, a man in jail. A man in jail. Okay. 
and scrawled on the wall of the jail cell is a strange set of letters. And then, through the course of the four hours of the film... Ooh, four hours long. I realized, as my character, Lampy, realized that they had replaced one letter for another in a criminal code. (laughs) In fact, all letters were reversed. Z was A. Y was B. (laughs) And so So on and so so forth. forth. (laughs) C was W? Sure. Is that what it gets to? Yes. X, Y, and Z. X was C. X was C. So the criminal, did, did you eventually find out what the criminal code said? Yes. On the wall? What did it say? It said, go see Boris Karloff <laughs> in Frankenstein coming out later this year. Wow. A four hour commercial for another movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brilliant. And the the critics were raving. Women in the audience fainted. They loved the film so much. Pregnant women gave birth. Yes. I can imagine the shock of going to see a film and then realizing (laughs) you're supposed to see this other film. Yes. What am I doing here? Oh, no. It was the first time that had ever happened in the history of motion pictures, but certainly not the last. M. Night Shyamalan, eat your heart out. Yes. That's how you do a twist, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Uh, So same year, you get the role of Frankenstein Monster. Yes. Do you remember the audition for that movie? Absolutely. Walk us through that. Well, I came in with a monologue from Mm. Death of a Salesman. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I I did my monologue, and then the director, James Whale, looked at me, looked at his casting directors, looked at my agent, Bernie Brillstein, who was there smoking a cigar. That's a good agent. He comes to the auditions. He comes to the auditions with you, Bernie. Bernie comes to the auditions with you. Who drove who? (laughs) Bernie Bernie was kind enough, at least that day, to drive me. Mainly I would drive Bernie, though, (laughs) because, you know, Bernie always had a lot to do. And then James Whale looked at all of us and said, that'll do, Boris, that'll do. And I was cast. And that was it? Yes. Wow. And so based off of this monologue, you were cast as Frankenstein's monster. Yes. Interesting. So he didn't have you grunt at all. Certainly not. How dare you he suggest didn't, this? He didn't have you do like like any of the lines. React to flame? Yeah. No, certainly not. <laughs> uh. He knew if I could do salesmen, mm-hmm. I could certainly play the monster. You're making it seem like, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're making it seem like the audition process in the 1930s. Yes. It was almost rude to ask an actor to do what the part would be. Certainly. And you're just supposed to infer from whatever monologue they bring in whether or not they can or can't do your part. That is right. Interesting. Yes, so if I'm absolutely. asking you to audition for like a foppish dandy from an Oscar Wilde play mm-hmm. and you come in acting something very gruff Salesman. If you if you're doing death of a salesman, I'm supposed to just figure out from that. Otherwise, it's considered rude. Yes, that's correct. Colin Clive, who played my creator, Doctor Frankenstein, he came in and sang "Somewhere Over the Rainbow," <laughs> and they said that'll do. <laughs> Book him. That's perfect. Yes. 
Wow, interesting. It's so interesting the way that the movie industry It was the Wild changed. West back then. It really was. It yeah. was. It really was. We had just all moved out to Los Angeles. You from... know, every Western that was made during that period was actually a documentary about the film industry. This is true. The wow. film industry was literally the Wild West. That's hmm. right. Uh, Even go. Stagecoach? <laughs> Especially Stagecoach. Stage Especially Stagecoach, yes. Uh, let's go back over to uh, Charles Bukowski for just a moment. So... You had two stories published in your early 20s. Yes. Uh, the aftermath of a lengthy rejection slip mm. and 2010. I had a. Uh, if I could go back and work on those titles. <laughs> what would you change about it? I don't know. Just. Uh, <laughs> just. Uh, I don't know. I'd, maybe I'd call that the, a recap of rejection. I a don't recap know. of rejection. Yes. Uh, I like the fact Something that more succinct. I like the fact that it's a lengthy title that also has the word "lengthy" in it. Oh, all right, aftermath right. of a lengthy rejection. Story. What do I? Uh, what do I know? It's almost like self-commentary. Yes. And twenty tanks from Castle Down. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you get these two stories published. Yes. And even after getting two stories published, you felt like you had failed to break into the literary world. Of course. Okay. So what didn't happen? That you felt like was supposed to happen? Like it's it would seem to an outside observer. I don't know about you, Boris. But to me, if you get two stories published, like you're on your way. It uh, sounds right. When I had my first two films released, I said, I'm on my way. <laughs> you looked into the lake and you said, I'm on my way. Yes. And the lake said back, you are. Mm-hmm. Okay. So- and then I threw a girl in there. <laughs> I used to do that for fun, too. We haven't talked about that yet. Anyway, but, okay. but Bukowski, yeah. why did yes. you feel like you were on yeah, your way, my missing? dear chap? Well, it sounds, like it. it'll sound dumb. But I had these two stories published, mm-hmm. and no one recognized me. No. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Of course, me. yes. Here's the thing. So did you? Did your picture appear with the stories at all? No. So you're walking down the street, no one's recognizing you. Right. Your and grim, you think, zitted facade. Yes. That visage. You thought people were just going to be able to f- infer from the material what you looked like? It's dumb, I know. But you're young, and you want success, and mm-hmm. you want... To be lavished upon, and did you, nobody did anything. Did you try anything to get that attention? Maybe wear a shirt that said, I'm the guy that wrote Aftermath of a Lengthy Rejection Slip, or... I had copies mm-hmm. that I would give out okay. to people on the street, and then I'd say, huh? Eh? Nothing. But the books were good. You mm-hmm. know, I, I enjoyed writing. Yes, of yes. course. Except for the pain in your of hands. Cor- yes, of course. Yes, of course. Uh, so at that point, because no one was recognizing you on the street, right? You decided to quit writing for almost a decade to just drink and travel the country, yeah, and work random jobs. And so during that entire entire time, you didn't do any writing. Is that right? Well, I wrote, but I just threw everything away. Oh, I see. I, it was too hard for me. I felt like a failure. You just were like, why Why am I even bothering if no one's going to recognize me on the street? But if I can impart anything on your listeners, Jarrett, mm-hmm. it's to keep trying. Keep if, if I can be an inspiration. Charles Bukowski. Yes. Self-help guru extraordinaire. Just stay at it. Just keep, just keep going. Shoot. Speaking of self-help gurus, yeah. can I talk about this Marianne Williamson for a little bit? <laughs> Yes, I, think, I also would like to discuss her. I think she's great. I think she's saying a lot of things that we should be hearing. And I, I have friends who say, well, she has no chance to win. 
but it's the fact that she's saying some things that the nation needs to say uh, to, to hear. That's yes. right. Oh, yes. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I don't disagree with that, but I do think that maybe there is a uh, the effect of muddying the waters. Maybe you know? I, we've already got such a crowded. Field. I don't see her as a joke. No, mm. I, I think she's bringing up a lot of things that. Yeah, you know, people say Bernie Sanders in the previous election pulled some issues to the forefront that we needed to be speaking, and I think maybe Marianne Williamson's doing that. I think she's great. Yes, and <laughs> I think she's great too. I Boris Karloff endorse her because I also don't believe in vaccinations, and I also feel like AIDS too? can be cured by the power of thought and prayer. Yeah, yes. keep that in mind, Charles Bukowski, before yes. you uh, sling your endorsement around. Well. Anti-vaccine. I, I didn't know that about her. I didn't say it was an endorsement. I said <laughs> from watching the debates that she said a lot of things there that I like. Who yeah. would you endorse, Charles Bukowski? Yeah, Charles Bukowski. Who would do you like, like to in the, know in the Democratic primary? It's if you too were to... It's too early. Why are we? <laughs> who who knows? There's more debates. Do you have anybody that you like, Boris Karloff? Certainly. Mm, yeah. Who do you like? Who do you want to talk about? I like that spooky, spooky Pete Buddha judge. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Pete Buddha? Yes. I thought you were going to say this grim visage. I thought you were going to say that you liked uh, Bill de Blasio from one uh, one tall, tall oafish ogre. Yeah, exactly. He's a Frankenstein. Well, no, I am more of a Frankenstein monster. He is more of a giant bird man. I see. So we are tangentially related. Well, I like Warren and Castro. Ah, good picks. Good good picks. I like their policies. Yes. Um, but then, of course, I will happen. vote. Yes, and I will, ha- and I will campaign, and I will, I will enthusiastically endorse whoever the nominee is. I just want to get that out there. Agreed. I think it's a pledge that every person should take in this country. Yes. I don't know. I spend a lot of time on 4chan. <laughs> I think that. Oh gosh, get <laughs> off of that. I think, I think that if it's not my nominee, I'm going to vote for a third party or do oh, something. Oh my goodness. Real, real smart. Boris like Karloff, that. you've got to get off of 4chan yes, and yes, get that's... on to 8chan. But I love oh. 4chan. <laughs> that's poisoning the well. 8chan? That 8chan sounds like is twice, two, as, twice as, as good as 4chan. As 4chan. Oh. Yes. Okay, where the hell were we? Uh, no, we really, I we think really, we were talking about... The train about, really cut off the track here, boys. <laughs> I think we were talking about the 50s or 60s. I can't remember. Uh, for those of you just joining us, you're listening to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are political commentators, uh, 20th century actor Boris Karloff, yes. and German-American poet and novelist Charles Bukowski. Happy to be here. Beat Buttigieg. Buttigieg. Chasten. <laughs> He chased. You chased the monster. Chased him yes, away. Oh. Chased the monster him chased him away. Good, oh, Jared. Boy. Good. I got there eventually. Yes. Uh, let's go back over to Boris Karloff for just a moment. Yes. So you you do Frankenstein. It's this phenomenal hit. Yes. You got all these sequels that happen. Lines around the block. Sequels for days. But now horror horror films suffer a decline in the second half of the 1930s because of the Hayes Code. Yes. The Hayes Code. Before the Hayes Code, there was no rules about what could or couldn't be in a movie. Ugh, yes, it was. People a, saw the Halcyon days. People saw some nipples. Is this Back Robert Hayes from Airplane? Yeah, it's Robert Hayes. It was named after him. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so 
the haze comes along. The haze code comes along, changes everything. It's disgusting. But I'm wondering how that changed horror films. Like, what was it that was in horror films that the haze code was saying, "No more of this. Well, this is no you longer know, okay." Well, our horror films were somewhat tasteful. Mm-hmm. Whenever I would throw a child into a lake, which would happen <laughs> at least once in every film, it would happen off camera. But then the child's dead body would be delivered into the town by the child's mummy or daddy. Oh my god! In every film. In every film, my child was in the lake. The monster did it. Go after the monster. But you know, in the early films, the pre-haze, Karloff, Frankenstein films, I'd be, you know, seen lying in the same bed as Bride of Frankenstein, reading my evening novel before turning off the light and kissing her goodnight. And because of the haze code, we had to be seen sleeping in separate beds. We could not be in the same bed. You couldn't be in the and same bed? that was bed. the major change. Frankenstein's yes. monster couldn't be in the same bed with Brighter Frankenstein's yes, as monster? as you well know in the series of Frankenstein mm-hmm. films, all of them would end with me and the bride lying in bed together, reading. <laughs> and then I'd turn to her and say, good night, boo-boo. And she'd say, good night, Frankie. And then I'd kiss her chastely on the cheek before I turn off the lamp. But then after the haze haze code, code, there was a nightstand in between us. And I could still call her boo-boo and she could still call me Frankie. But However, no kiss and no same bedtime. And beds. so the creators of all these horror films were like, if Frankenstein's monster can't kiss Frankenstein's monster's bride yes. before going to sleep, yes. then what is the point of even making a horror movie? That is correct. I, that makes a lot of sense. And I had to, I had to find other work. Mm. Yes. So now you start then go back to other genres, like you were before Frankenstein. You're just doing regular movies again, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. All right. Anything, uh, anything that you really particularly liked from that era where you had to kind of like take a break from horror films? Yes, many don't know this, but I was the lead in an adaptation for film of Rogers and Hammerstein's uh, Oklahoma. Interesting. Yes. Ooh. Ooh, did you sing any songs? Of course I did. What was your, what was the song, one of the songs you sang? Oh, what a beautiful morning! <laughs> <laughs> Let's go uh, back over to Charles Bukowski. Yes. Oh, I didn't even put that together. <laughs> Silly it me. was just sitting there on the table for any one of us. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. Well, I rarely say my own name. Yes, of course. Yes. Um. Uh. So 1930, 1955 rolls around. You're 35 years old. You've just been drinking for the past Non-stop. 10 years. Yes. Just wandered around town doing debauchery, doing drinking. Yes. Odd jobs. You. Uh. You're 35 years old now, and you are rushed to the hospital to be treated for a near, near fatal bleeding ulcer. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have to imagine that that was from the excessive drinking, right? Probably. Okay. So then after leaving the hospital, you begin to write poetry again. Right. Do you think that with the gift of hindsight that you could say what it was about that experience that made you think that you wanted to write again? Like you've been doing nothing but drinking and partying for almost 10 years. This lifestyle drives you to the hospital, and instead of deciding to clean up your act and try to live healthier, you decide to start writing poetry about what you've been doing instead. That's right. So what what, what was the inspiration there? How'd that happen? Well, I guess I could have cleaned up. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I more so just thought I had something to say. And... uh 
you know, you you have a near death experience. Yes. Okay. And you and you live. <laughs> yes. And you, and then you think, my gosh, I guess there's a point to me being here. Mm. And uh, I, I it might have been uh, um, hasty of me to think so or mm. incorrect, but I thought, well, gosh darn it, Bukowski, Bukowski. <laughs> The, a higher power wants you to say something. Yes. Mm. So, so you, you survived your trip to the hospital. That's right. And you're like, you know what? My voice needs to get out there. I that, need to stop yes. throwing these poems in the garbage. And uh, it was I w- it was the day to be released. And an orderly came and said, Mr. Bukowski, I need you to sign this. These are your, your release papers. And I said, give me that clipboard and pen. And I just wrote a poem <laughs> on oh, my wow. release papers. What was the poem? Oh, it was, um, oh, gosh. It hurts, but I'm better now. That is a characteristic Charles Bukowski title. That's right. That's gorgeous. Kind of on the nose. I love it. Uh, So you start working at the post office. Indeed. Uh, You're getting some of your writing published. I needed to be around words. (laughs) Like addresses. Yes. And street names. That's right. And people's names. And yes, and, uh, and the envelopes most often contained letters. That's right, which was exciting to me. Uh, sometimes, if it was going to like the UK, the 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 postal codes there are letters, right? Indeed, and in Canada <laughs> yes. as well, and in Canada as well. But all the postal codes in Canada are ugly and homophobic. Okay, so uh, I could talk about the post office for for ages. So you start writing a a weekly column called "Notes of a Dirty Old Man" for an under, <laughs> for an yes. underground newspaper called Open City. Can you tell us a little bit about this column? I have to assume it's like nonfiction, maybe opinion pieces or something. Yes, well, I I, I was not old, but I was dirty, and the public lapped up the dirty thoughts of an old man. Like, what were some of the dirty thoughts that you were publishing in your column? It was, you know, sort of like, mmm, boobs. <laughs> you know. Is that it? Uh, or just like, haha, filthy words. I wouldn't use any of them. You I just, would just talk about filthy words. I'm thinking about filthy words. Yes. Or, uh... I overheard a conversation between two people today, and many filthy words were used. <laughs> Ooh, titillating. Yes. I love it. Sometimes it's what's best left unsaid. Correct. Unwritten. you don't play. Yes. yes. That's interesting. Sometimes I wrote just wink. Ooh. Uh, it, it inferred a lot. Laden Very with innuendo. A lot of innuendo, dense with innuendo. It's interesting that this thing that was so popular, I'm assuming it was popular in the underground uh, underground scene. People loved it. That uh, there was so much innuendo in it when your poems were so graphic and had no innuendo in it. Yes, them. true. Yeah. Well, I, I, Let it, no one say of Charles Bukowski they didn't have range. Yes. I agree. <laughs> Uh, so we are sh- quickly running out of time here on Famous oh, Dead no. People. And as we all are with our time. In our lives. Yes. That's right. So let's finish with Boris Karloff. I want to ask you about one of your later Frankenstein films. Certainly. A movie called Frankenstein 1970. Yeah. Which was made... In 1958. Yes. So I'm assuming that this movie was supposed to be taking place in the future of yes. 1970. Yes. So what was the vision of 1970 that they had in 1958? Like, what did the future look like to the world of 1958? Yes, was Nixon president? <laughs> yes. Well, 
It was a dystopic future where a former reality show host was president. Oh, no. Ooh. And the world was slowly heating up to levels where it would be unsustainable for man. Wow. People wouldn't be able to grow food, horrible weather events, it that sort of thing. It was much more prescient than just Nixon being president. <laughs> My God. And just as a kappa to the overall world building that was created, we were able to outlaw certain types of plastics and lawn darts, but not semi-automatic weapons, wow. which were murdering our people on a regular basis. Wow. It uh, sounds like this movie was written by a Ouija board. Way ahead of its time. In the middle of all of this me, in a rare turn as the Dr. Frankenstein, that's right, that's right. Mm. am trying to create a man that will save America. Mm. Mm -hmm. And what is the man's name? Pete Buttigieg. Oh, wow. What a great note to end the show sure. on. Sure. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, that is register all the time. to vote. Everybody, <laughs> register to vote, please, especially in swing states, like yes. tomorrow. Yes, yes. Uh, unfortunately, that's all the time that we have for this week's episode of Famous Dead People and maybe the Planet Earth. I'd like to thank my guests Charles Bukowski and Boris Karloff for joining me in the studio today. Last question: Do either of you have any comedy shows or Twitter accounts or comedians that you're really big fans of? That you want to tell people about uh, Charles Bukowski? Anything you want to tell people about? Well, you know, I have some Amazon wish lists that are just have been. <laughs> Sitting, sitting there, just not collecting dust. So mm -hmm. uh, check those out. How do how do people find those? Uh, I think you can uh, Google Charles Bukowski's Amazon wish lists, mm, and that's what it's, you want. It's, it's out there. Yes, that's what you want to tell people about. That's what I want to plug. That's what you want to plug. Yes. I've okay. got a lot of uh, Hello Kitty stuff that I'd I'd like. For people to buy for me. Gotcha. Definitely I'm a big not fan. Bad theater festival or bad film festival. Bad theater fest is good. Yes, I think that's coming up. <laughs> bad, the bad theaterfest.com. And uh, smutty. And Boris Karloff. Anything you want to tell people about? Oh uh, well, my friend Louis Perlman is on a fool's errand to raise fifteen thousand dollars for his '60s bubblegum rock musical. Holy moly! What a sum. Yes, what a sum. And he is a third of the way there. Which is very exciting. Ooh. Impressive. Yes, but you can go to louisperlman.com to learn more about his bubblegum rock musical Joey and Ron and throw him a few bucks because if he doesn't make the money, then it's just all for naught and Louis will be very sad. Go donate to that campaign. Right. Hang in there, Joey Louis. Ron Take it from Charles Bukowski. <laughs> keep trying. Oh, I'll Keep tell, reaching for the stars. I'll tell Louis to keep following his... His 60s bubblegum rock dream. Take it from Marianne Williamson. And uh, I am, of course, your host, Jared Berenstein. You check out all my stuff at jaredberenstein.com. If you're listening to this on the radio, find the podcast. All the old episodes are there. For example, The Buddha ah, and Bob Kane. Yes. Uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel. New videos every Tuesday. Hit us up at Famous Dead People at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org if you have any famous people you want to have on the show. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hello, I'm so fancy. I'm a fancy monster man. Fancy, <laughs> fancy monster man. Cut it down. Cut it down. Or cut it out. Cut it out, dude. We are coming to a break, <laughs> so wrap it up. You don't have to stop talking right now, but... Is this wrap it up? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> Wiccans just Please. made a putting on a condom motion. Yeah. <laughs> for those of you listening at home. <laughs>